don't you worry, honey. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Hit record. Hit record. Let's go. <laughs> You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Bohr, and I'm one of your hosts. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Holly, how are you doing today? Hey, Robert. I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm yeah. Good. Yeah. What, what 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 makes you doing so great? Oh man. Well, first off, Texas is no longer a hundred degrees, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia is a little bit cooler as well. It's a, yeah. feels a little bit like fall now. Oh my gosh, I love it. I I love this weather when it starts getting cool and little gray and rainy, and it just I'm like energized by it. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. But, yeah, and how are you doing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Good. Yeah, what has been new with you? And I, I was actually I was thinking about this before we started. It's so funny. So these are always essentially a week behind, right? Because know, people right? listen to them on Monday or after. Uh, and so they're, when we say, oh, this last weekend I did this, and they're probably thinking the previous weekend, but we record these typically Thursday-ish so right. that we have some time to edit and all that. So we're actually kind of a week behind in telling you what's going on. Uh, yeah. But as far as we're concerned here, what – What's been going on with you? Yeah, no, that's that's totally awesome. So aside from the cooler weather being beautiful and amazing, um, we are in the throes of the middle of the semester, which I know I kind of talked about last week a little bit. So um, so that's been a lot of fun with just the energy of, you know, things being a little bit, a few extra little pressures of, of midterm stuff wow. and mid-semester stuff. I have a an ethics speaking event that I'm going to do in a couple of weeks that I'm trying to, you know, get ready and prepped and it's on namaste theory and I'm like super excited about talking about it. So I'm doing that. And then we also, well, some of our listeners might appreciate this, but we're in the middle of going through Callie. Callie has been talking with us about um, baptism and about wanting to be baptized. And so she's been talking about this for a while now. Mm. And so our church has like a pre-baptism class for kids. I mean, it's it's targeted for kids who are starting to think about this and, or, it's, you know, it's tailored for that group. But it's been so precious just watching her you know, think through and wrestle through some of these big faith questions and, you know, these questions that are asking, like, you know, who God is and to draw what God looks like and, you know, and just seeing the way that her mind thinks about faith has been so fun. Like, just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so we're as a family kind of walking through that and some conversations about that. But yeah, it's yeah. awesome. So, man. yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's fun. And I'm, and it's, you know, one of the things that I love about this too is just getting to learn from our kids. So, you know, just as we talk about this, you know, I always think about faith and the opposite of faith isn't doubt, it's um, certainty. And so keeping an open um, perspective on some of these topics has been fun. And especially 
kind of looking at faith through my six-year-old's lenses, you know, it really, it just gives me a fresh perspective on this too. So yeah. really nice. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. What about you guys? What is, what is the big news and things going on in the Vore family this oh, week? Oh man, yeah. So much stuff. We <laughs> last weekend we went on. Uh, so I guess longtime listeners will know that my wife runs a college ministry, and so uh, they had their fall retreat last week. So we all went, and so that was super fun, but also really exhausting. Obviously, I worked mm-hmm. at that. I worked at that that ministry last year, and so I got to see a lot of my old students, which was really fun. Uh, but then also having Gray there was fun to watch like student college students interact with him is always fun uh, but obviously a little bit more exhausting because you know kind of you're doing two things at once so my main goal was to spend time with him and hang out with him so that Brooke could really be fully present with her students which I think she probably would tell you was somewhat of a impossible task you know just yeah. having a well, your baby around there is still pretty distracting but so it was really fun it was uh, fun and exhausting. And then that night, that Sunday night, I actually, before we kind of knew we were all going on that, I had agreed to uh, do be part of, like, uh, I guess be a, a guest speaker at this launch party for, uh, there's a, oh, a couple yeah. guys locally who are I launching a podcast network. And uh-huh. I had, they had interviewed me on one of their shows a while back. And so uh-huh. they had asked if I would come be kind of the, the guest speaker about, like, why podcasting and things like that. And so... Uh, mm. you know, we had, we got home Sunday afternoon and then had a couple hours and then I went to that, that evening. So again, a little exhausting, but I mean, it was definitely fun. It was a lot of fun getting to talk about a lot of that and meet a lot of the, the people that had attended that event and just hear people that are really passionate about podcasting and why it is that they want to launch a podcast network and, and all that type of stuff. So no, I saw some pictures about that. That is so cool. I love that. But other than that, you know, the week is going well with all the normal things. And then uh, I did a suicide prevention training actually last night as we're recording this last night with a uh, kind of a local church's youth group and like their volunteers and their head pastor came and some parents came and things like that. And mm-hmm. I think I, I've talked about this some before, but I, I really love obviously the conversations that we have on this show. I think they're awesome. But conversations yeah. with like volunteers at churches and things like that, I, are like a different kind of energizing and encouraging to me because they're very like hands-on. Here's what we, we really want to know the basics of a lot of this. I mean, just mm-hmm. the, the Q and a section, I leave like a, a lot of time for that at the end of it, because that part to me is my absolute favorite to have those types mm. of conversations and hear, you know, they'll say, well, here's my life experience and here's what I've, you know? Um, and so I just, I love it. It's great. That's so awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Well, should we tell our listeners about this week's episode? We should. And I feel like I need to uh, <laughs> clarify a few things or like prepare prepare listeners. Oh my gosh. We need to like bubble wrap this episode for our, our listeners. Yeah. So <laughs> especially if you are maybe a newer listener. Yes. Our guest this week is Steve Austin, <laughs> who... Uh, for season one and like the first half of season two was my co-host on this show. And if you were, if you haven't listened to any of those episodes, uh, a couple things you need to know. Steve and I joke around a lot, but that doesn't mean that we're not serious about the topics, right? That's We've we had to, yeah. during, during those chunks of time, we had to clarify that a couple times because people mm-hmm. got a little mad about the amount of joking. And when I introduced him at, at the beginning of all the 
the intros, uh, we developed this running joke on accident where I would introduce him by a fake name. Uh-huh. And both of those are very important for you to understand <laughs> what is happening in this episode, because it, especially in the beginning of the uh, interview, uh, it is a little buck wild. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it has taken me longer to edit this episode so far than most others because I keep laughing and I have to stop and pause because then I'm not I'm not doing anything. I'm just laughing, just knowing like what's ahead. And oh my gosh, just thinking back to recording this and being in tears like through portions of this. But we would go from like, you know, like being like laughing, like these big belly laughs. And then like, you know, two minutes later, we're like heavily we're focused on like a heavy, heavily sensitive topic. And we, we bounce back and forth through both pretty well in the episode. But I, but I agree. I think it's important to note that just that relationship. But um, yeah, this is a, I mean, this is a, this is a, uh, what is the word to describe this episode? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, and, and what you've just described is very indicative of Steve. And it's, it's one of my favorite things about him. I mean, we are dear, yeah. dear friends. Yeah. As you yes. imagine from doing the show together for a long time. And even before that, I mean, and after that, we're, I mean, we're such good friends and yeah. the ability that he has to go back and forth from, you know, making you weep with just this depth and beauty that he talks about things and then making you cry with laughter is amazing. And it doesn't at all take away from the heart behind the way he talks about things or the seriousness with which he addresses things. But there's also this, this joy of life that has to be there if, if, you know, we're going to be talking about heavy things all the time. And I think that that's really important. And I think that's very evident in this episode. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in the episode and then in his book, which y'all mm-hmm. will get to learn about quite a bit. Absolutely. Well, I was trying to come up with a fake name on the fly and I couldn't do it, but that's all right. Uh, we will no. we will just roll right in. <laughs> There's plenty to come. So here is our episode with our good friend, Steve Austin. Welcome back to the show. I'm Steve Austin, joined by Richard Bohr and Polly Foxhandler. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Vohr. I'm your host, and I am joined, as always, today by my co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Holly, how are you doing? We're already off the rails! I'm doing well, Robert. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> Somewhere, John Singletary is on the other side of a wall going, oh my gosh, no, what has happened? No, 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 no. Today, I knew better. I'm doing this this episode from home, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well today, Robert. How are you doing? I'm good. I am, uh, you know, usually this is where I say, oh, I'm so excited about this conversation. I'm just <laughs> reluctant. You know, it's, I felt like I really owed it to him. I love you with all. Uh, we are so excited today to be joined by a familiar voice to longtime listeners of the show, and we're so excited to welcome back my former co-host, Zeus Johnson. Zeus, <laughs> how are you today? I just, I just spit sweet tea into my mic. Oh, wow. Hi, pal. You know what? I'm fantastic. I'm just so good. 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 Yeah. Actually, I think I mispronounced that. Uh, this is our guest, Lars Rosewater. Uh, <laughs> oh, I hope this is going to happen through the whole episode. If it doesn't, I'm so disappointed. Don't you worry. <laughs> 
we had Woo! fun on this show. Absolutely yep. zero. Cut it out. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let me do this bio here. FaceTime McMaster was a pastor when he nearly died by suicide. A second chance, a grueling recovery, and years of honest conversation allowed Moses Firebush, our guest, to find healing and purpose. Uh, it's evident in his writing, speaking, podcasting, and coaching. He helps overwhelmed people get their lives back. He's the author of a handful of books, including one that I, uh, I was a co-author on, and he lives in Birmingham, Alabama, with his wife, Lindsay, and their two children. So welcome, Olympias Park. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm so glad that I'm barefoot. This is holy ground, obviously. Hey, men. Oh, oh my gosh. Heavenly days. This is oh. just the beginning. Wow. Yeah. We're not even like two minutes into this, and <laughs> and I'm already have tears from laughing right now. Oh, I do too. Yeah, I had to wipe them oh, away already. Ooh, those aren't oh. tears. That's a Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness. You do. Well, <laughs> other than that fancy bio there, if you're just tuning in, which is definitely a thing that happens in podcasts, we're talking with our guest Rocket Ball Jones. <laughs> uh, is there anything I missed there, Rocket Ball? <laughs> if you've just turned the dial, oh my. <laughs> Heavens. Oh my gosh! Wow, I no, I, I you you have done your homework. Oh my goodness! I've had I've had a Thank couple months since you've uh, been on the show, so got oh, a whole a whole couple months. Here. Sure, yeah. Oh my months. gosh! Well, oh. hey, you are here to talk about a lot of things, <laughs> uh, but oh, and laugh. most specifically. No, about, I know, I know. <laughs> Most specifically about your newest book, Catching Your Breath, The Sacred Journey from Chaos to Calm. Obviously, you can find that if you go to Amazon and just search uh, in the author category. You can search Hinkleberry Stinkfish, and that'll pop right up. <laughs> Steve, what is this What is this book about? Deep sea diving. Okay, yeah, yeah. Catching Your Breath, yeah, I get it. Yeah, makes sense. Totally. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Or, well, or Lamas, either way, I've heard both. Either one. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so you really want me to answer that now? <laughs> yeah. You don't have oh, to. It's, you know. What is this about? Did you catch your breath there, Steve? I, I am just, my <laughs> cheeks hurt so bad. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what is this book about? This book, you know what? It came from, okay, so the first book was From Pastor to a Psych Warden. And it was all about the lead up to the suicide attempt and and then recovery, um, the the immediate recovery, really the first year. And, you know, lots of our lingo, lots of Christian lingo, lots of mental health lingo, lots of um, suicide prevention very, that focused on that very much. Yeah. And. Uh, and it's a very important book for me. It sort of um, sort of put me on the map and has given me so many incredible opportunities um, to share my story and to give people hope. And so I will talk about that book and I will talk about that story anytime. But I wanted to, in what, the three years since that book has been released, I wanted to write a book that would spread a larger table, that would invite even more people. Mm. So. This new book still has a lot of, of Jesus talk. There's still a lot of, of God and Holy Spirit stuff in there. Um, I think from a progressive viewpoint, it's still very much a Christian book. But for the more fundamentalist, they would probably consider it more in the like spirituality category. Um, so 
so I wanted anybody from any faith background to feel comfortable while reading it. And also from the mental health side in doing life coaching, in doing my own show and talking to people who don't have a mental health diagnosis, those people still absolutely know what it's like to live through their very worst day, to feel completely overwhelmed, to feel out of breath. And, and so I wanted to write a book for them, for the people who say, "Eh, I don't have a diagnosis and I'm not sure how comfortable I feel with all the Jesus talk. You can talk about it, but I don't know that I'm going to buy into all of it, but a book for them um, to say, yeah, I've been there. And so it's, it's about 50% memoir and 50% um, just anecdotes and, and hope and some practical steps along the way, things that I have done in the last six years. It'll be September. Mm-hmm. September will be six years. Um, things I've done along the way to journey toward wholeness and healing. So there you go. That's what it is. Yeah. No, and I love that. You. I mean, you mentioned even people without specific diagnoses or things, and that's something that Holly and I have talked about a number yeah. of times already in, in this season is this idea that even the way we talk about things, right? I always tend to phrase things as talking about mental health because that's something that we all have, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you have to have a specific diagnosis, but we all right. can improve our mental health. We all can, you know, do things like that. So I think that's, that's really important. Yeah. I think it's important, you know, when you look at the fact that probably all of us need better self-care, um, yes. and, and hello, yeah. and, and being able to, to see the divine in everyone, whatever you label yourself, wherever you go to church, or if you don't go anywhere, you know, to be able to, to see the divine in every single person and to see that in yourself when you, when you recognize that we all have that, that imprint of God on our lives Paul Young said, to the extent that you live in fear, that is the extent to which you don't know that you are loved. And I think that's one of the big problems is that so many of us Mm -hmm. don't, we don't understand just how loved we are. And so when we begin to understand that, we, I think we naturally take better care of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And um, I love Holly. Yeah, I was going to say, thank you so much for that little nod to that. But seeing the divine in every single person and being able to see that in ourselves, like that's so important. And and you're so right. It's, um, I mean, it's threaded through every single one of us. So being able to wake up to that and see that and calling out that need for all of us to practice self-care is so, so beautiful. So I feel like I know, I mean, I, I love I do have to say that one of the things I love about this book right now is that as I was reading your revised version, I was telling Robert this before we started talking that that I know I got um, had the opportunity to read this book before it came out. And let's um, let's be clear, you are the first person to read the book and the first person. Yes. And the first person to offer an endorsement. Yes. Yes. I didn't know that. I am wildly offended right now. You're oh, oh, Robert. You're welcome. I thought I was cool because I got to read it first, but I didn't even get to offer an endorsement. I I would have said, listen, here's, look, I'll give a formal endorsement right now. <laughs> oh, here we go. Whatever you, oh, I got to make it sound. Whatever you need in life right now, 
this fantastic, dramatic book by Bullcut Waterfall, an aspiring young author, <laughs> is sure to touch your heart and your mind. I agree to this. Oh, oh stop. Oh. Oh. I, you know what? I think I like Robert's endorsement better than mine. I think okay, you I'll should that printed on your book instead. Yeah. Boom. That goes um, on the cover. Bowl cut waterfall? Bowl cut waterfall. Like a bowl cut like we would have gotten back in like third grade. Well, you would have been two, but like I would have gotten in third grade. I guess. Also, now I want that picture. Yeah. Oh, there's one. Mm. That should go up with this episode. So I, yeah. So anyway, so just seeing how much this book has evolved since then, which I did not realize I was the first to read it, nor that, you know, to write the endorsement, but that's, I mean, it's just such an honor to, to watch how it's evolved and grown. But um, one of the things that you write early in the book that you touched on a little bit in describing, you know, kind of the overview, but early in the book, you write that you wrote this book because so many people tend to just, quote, fake it till you make it, but that this is the worst thing we could possibly do. We don't have to shove the anger and disappointment back down into our gut. We don't have to pretend everything is okay while we're silently imploding. We can and should tell the truth, admit we're hurting, and ask for help. I think that so beautifully goes back to what you were just saying about how all of us need you know, some level of self-care and to be growing in these areas, but but that we really need to be true to our authentic selves of, of how we are created. I don't know. I don't know if like thinking back on that quote or as you were writing that book, like if anything jumps out, but I just loved how you set the stage for the book, even with that. Thank you. Yeah, it's, you know, the biggest thing for me is our humanity. It's our shared humanity. We're going to have differences no matter what we're talking about, you know, we're not going to see anything exactly the same, whether that's faith or politics or whatever, but we are all human. We are all, we're all having this shared experience and being human <laughs> is not easy. And so yeah. I, that's, that's this whole book is just this great big permission slip to say, you have permission to take a breath. You have permission to slow down. You have permission to be a human to know that you're not always going to have it together. You are going to drop the ball. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a promise from God. You're welcome. How's that for some encouragement? <laughs> but, but to know that, that life is not always going to be easy, but it is always going to be worth it. And when you feel completely stressed out, burned out, exhausted, totally overwhelmed, I'm drowning, then let's talk about some things that you can do to come up for air again, to learn how to breathe again, to learn how to take that next step. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so good. good. And having yeah. known you for a couple of years, and obviously you and I are, are pretty good friends, as if people couldn't tell from the, the joking nah, decent. on this. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, all right, get off. No endorsement, but you know, no you're all right. Endorsement. <laughs> but this this book does, and you can disagree with me, but having read the, the original one and then this one, and it, it does seem like, it's kind of this this culmination of all the things that you've been learning for a lot of years. But then even from the, I mean, Holly mentioned it there, but the, the original with. one that we got to read and then this newer, like the final draft, I mean, there's a bunch of things different. And I know I've seen you say that you've never felt kind of more clear on what it is you believe. So what was that process like, kind of putting everything that you've learned into this and then spending another couple months redistilling that and, and, and working through that? Yeah. Wow. It's the most exhausting thing 
ever. Uh, <laughs> you know, I thankfully I was able to work through this with our friend Sarah Robinson. Shout and out. Shout out. Go read her latest article on Relevant. Oh, my goodness. Um, so good. So good. So being able to work through it with an editor who knows me very well and who is willing to call out my BS and say, you don't really believe that. Or, oh, my gosh, you just skimmed the surface here. Do you remember this, 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 and this from three years ago? And you're like, oh, man, do I really have to do that's so painful. And so digging in and and telling the deeper story, um, that is that is exhausting work. But yeah, now looking at this finished product that we have, um, you're right. I, I have never felt more clear about who I am and what I believe, and just as importantly, what I don't believe. To yeah. be able to say, you know, this this is who I know God to be, and this is who I, God is not this for me. My yeah. experience has not been this toxic, vindictive, you know, gosh, always demanding perfection. That's just, that's not the experience that I've had. I've had the experience with a loving, gracious, patient God who is intimately interested and present with me in the good and the bad and the ups and the downs. Um, man, I, you know, I think about that verse, you know, even when I lay my head down in the depths, you are there. And, and I think about Jonah being in the belly of the whale, you know, hopeless, dark. <laughs> this is yeah. really, really bad here. And, and God is present with us. That's that's the miracle for me. The miracle is not a snapping of fingers and being healed in an instant. The miracle is that God is with us, present with us in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's good. Um, well, one of the, there are a couple of chapters I really would love to highlight. I mean, you started talking about the permission slip piece, and I had that whole section in chapter one talking about giving ourselves permission to do things. And so I, I just loved that. And I'm glad you touched on that um, just now. But I will tell you that let go is actually one of my favorite chapters. And it was mm. in the original and it still is in the revised version. And I will, yeah, that's one of my favorites that even just the quote at the beginning that you have from Jennifer Williamson that says, don't speak just yet, sink into this place, sit in your heart, close your eyes if you must, breathe in, breathe out, feel the beating of your heart. Um, it just, it sets that chapter up so beautifully. And there's just so much of that chapter that I just really love. So um, that yeah. one is actually in the final, final draft. It's called throw everything over. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Well, people okay, are going to so listen to this and be I like, know. what book is, what book are you talking <laughs> what, about? These yeah, people all read something different. <laughs> what's happening? Well, can this I, is what happens when you, when you talk to your friends who have been to, with you since the beginning. To be really clear, just so everybody knows, the book yeah. that we are talking about is Catching Your Breath, The Sacred Journey from Chaos to Calm by renowned author Zaza Blankenship. <laughs> Title pending may yeah. change. Find um, so, it in the show notes. Good lord. Yeah. At, at cmxh.com. Cxmhpodcast.com. You are yeah, rusty. Okay, yeah. Too yeah. long. Okay. So 
So I do want to call out one part of this chapter, though, if that's okay. okay. Whatever it ends up that you end up calling it. What's it called? Or what are you deciding officially? Throw everything over. Throw everything over. Okay, Poor well, Holly that's... is desperately trying to do a real interview, and you and I, I are just goofing <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm like, no, so this glad you have a co-host like, now. now I'm like, yeah, well, thanks. thanks. But um, no, but I'm serious. Like this book, I really want to give this book, you know, the – it's it's like I just want folks to hear it is so necessary and important. But there's one part that you write in this chapter that says whatever it is, the only way you're going to make it back when your life has taken on too much chaos is to get rid of all of the non-essential cargo. How? It starts by saying no. Saying no doesn't make you a bad person or a mean person. It doesn't make you a bad employee or selfish. Sometimes saying no to people or projects is actually saying a great big yes to yourself. When, when is the last time you said no to reclaim your sanity and serenity? Boundaries aren't comfortable when you first start setting them. And as someone who struggles tremendously reading through the book Boundaries, um, that section of this um, and being a two on the Enneagram, that section just totally resonated with me. And it is so freeing to just be, have that reminder that we can't say yes to everything. We have to say no. Um, and that every time we say yes to something, we are saying no to something else. So that discernment process is just so crucial and critical. And, and even you saying, you know, sometimes saying no to people or projects is saying great big yes to yourself. I also think about, you know, saying a big yes to my family or to my, you know, my kids, my husband, my time with my higher power, you know, just there's so many other layers to this. But yeah, so tell me what your thoughts were like writing this chapter. And then I've got another quote from it that I really, really liked too. Oh, I just love you so much. Thank you. Oh, I love you too, friend. And side note, um, Rupert, do you know your Enneagram number? Uh, it's a two as well. You're a two? Yeah. You little precious. Okay. Um, oh. What's yours? Okay. Uh, well, I, you know, I, I stay permanently confused on this, which may mean I'm a nine, Holly. But uh, oh, for I, for this season, I'm claiming a three wing two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we need to find a time to sit and chat. Or I don't know if you set up that time with John, but yeah, we got to get that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Stay, that's okay. That's part of the journey. That's the best part of this. Is like you don't have to decide right now. It's okay. Yeah. I yeah. say that I'm a three because the description of a three in unhealth makes me just absolutely want to vom everywhere. It's that's just it's excruciatingly painful. Oh yeah. yeah. So that's why I say I'm a three. Uh, okay, what was I thinking when writing this? Oh. MG. Um, you know, for the initially talking about the Enneagram, initially I said I was a two because I want to save the world. I want to help everybody. I want to, you know, I, I think that I was born with a cross and a cape on my back. And I have to remind myself constantly that that's not true. And I had to, especially when it comes to my wife and my kids. I had to learn that every time I'm saying yes to something outside my home, I'm saying no to my family. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Every time. And and there are times that that's okay. There are times that's absolutely necessary. There are times that I have some incredible opportunity to share my story or be involved in something that I don't want to turn down. And my wife doesn't want me to turn down. But there are times, even 
when there's some great opportunity that if my kids just need me, if we're just in a tough season and they need daddy to be extra present, I mean, there's, there is no greater calling in my life than being a husband and being a dad. And so I have to remember that when I'm, when I'm in my threeness and I'm striving <laughs> and I'm performing and I'm wanting to climb the ladder and I'm, you know, I want to do all the things and be the man. In those times, I have to remind myself that it's okay and it's necessary to say no. Because when I, I wrote about in, in From Pastor to a Psych Ward that so many people, when they found out that I nearly died by suicide, people were flabbergasted, completely blown away because I was the guy that looked like he was on top of the world. They just didn't know it felt like the world was on top of me. Yeah. And it felt like the world was on top of me because I never, ever said no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So that actually leads me right into the next quote that I really, that really stood out to me in this chapter where um, you write, if you're anything like me, your arms are full of all the heavy things you've been carrying. Your back hurts from the weight of disappointment and anger, pain and offense. There's no room to embrace love, hope and empathy. Your shoulders are tense and you are exhausted. Until you let go, you can never fully find yourself to, or step into your highest purpose. When you're peering over the edge of the cliff, you have to disconnect from the lies that you have been embedded in, or I'm sorry, that have been embedded in your psyche and tune into love, grace, and compassion. You have to put down the heavy things if you want to create space for real rest. So I love that paragraph right there and some of what you had written before and after but what was so interesting in going back through this book is Corey and I have talked about this a lot my husband Corey and I we've talked about this a lot lately and this analogy where sometimes I feel like I'm carrying a bowl all the time that's just filled with stuff that sometimes I put in and sometimes other people put in but I'm kind of running around like carrying all these things and the process of putting them down and letting go is it's hard. It is so hard to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I just loved that piece though. And yeah, just curious of what your thoughts were about that one. Yeah. Um, boy, oh boy. Yeah. It's, I think it's so much of what we, what we were just talking about that, that I have yeah. to choose what I'm going to hold. I have to choose what I'm going to hold. I have to choose where I'm going to be present. And if me choosing that great opportunity keeps me from being at my little girl's ballet recital, I may need to rethink that. Um, now, there also, I think that we have to be fair. This is, here's my threeness coming out. I think that we do have to be fair to ourselves and know that we have responsibilities and, and that we are building careers and we're doing things. And there may be times that we have to teach our children a lesson in disappointment. But I think those yeah. should be very few and far between. Um, I, man, I want every opportunity that I have to be there for my kids and to show up. So yeah, it's 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 just gosh, it's a balancing act. Who in the world knew that parenting would be the hardest job you'd ever love? Hmm. So good. I think that 
and sometimes we think about that just in terms of time, but I remember I read a book called uh, Leading on Empty by a pastor who went through all this kind of burnout stuff, and one of the points he makes is that, you know, our greatest asset isn't time, it's energy. And so mm-hmm. sometimes we think, well, when I get home after doing all this stuff, I'll have, you know, an hour of time left. But if you spent all your energy that day, then that time isn't, I mean, you're just zoning out watching TV or whatever, it, you know, it's not... And so thinking about it like that has really helped me because I can probably find time to squish in a bunch of things, but if I don't have the energy to do them well, especially making sure that I save the energy to be at home well, then, you know, the time is, is nothing, you know? Yeah. It's, and I do think, I think the time is important. I think time is the only commodity we're never going to have as much of as we have right now. We're always losing it. It's constantly dwindling. So I do think time is important, but you're absolutely right. If Even if I have the time, if I'm so exhausted every night, when I, if all my kids see is daddy with a short fuse or daddy with no attention span because I have completely expended it on all these other things, um, or my wife, not just my kids, but my wife, my God. Yeah. If I'm so busy that we, when's the last time you took your wife out on a date? You know, If it's been three months, man, Let's figure something out here. Let me come over and watch your kids. Let's get yeah. together with um, your small group and start a, a you know a kid swap thing, whatever. But let's let's figure something out here to be able to be present with the people that matter to us more than anything in the world. Because when I'm laying on my deathbed, hopefully one day, long, 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 long time from now. But when I'm laying on my deathbed and I'm about to take my final breath and I'm looking back over all the things in my life, I hope I'm not thinking about stats and metrics and algorithms and speaking engagements. I hope I'm thinking about all the memories that I made with my most important people. And I think that's what we have to, that it's it's what I have to constantly remind myself of. Yeah. So how do you, you said it earlier that obviously we have to keep in mind that we are building careers and we're doing all these things, right? How do you balance those? Because, you know, there's plenty of people that maybe are listening and saying, well, okay, this all sounds great in an ideal world, but I have to work 80 hours a week. Otherwise, my yeah. family doesn't have money to eat. So, you know, it kind of feels like that is how I take care of them. I mean, how do we balance those types of things? Gosh. Um, do you mean, it's should real, I make another joke to, to lighten that yeah. up? <laughs> it's really hard for me to buy the story that you have to work 80 hours a week. That one's real tough. I could be dead wrong, and you can say I have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's that's a lot. Um, maybe I'm wrong, and if I am, gosh, that's unfortunate. I'm really sorry. Um, I, I don't have a great answer for that person I, other than, man, let's look at every single expense that you have and see if there is anywhere, anything that we can cut out. Any of the non-essentials, any of the, you know, I mean, do you, do you have to have the cable? Do you have to eat out that much? You know, let's, I mean, let's, gosh, what's his name? Let's Dave Ramsey that mess. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, um, but otherwise, if that, if you're just truly stuck and this is your reality, it's just doing what you can with what you've got, um, when you do have those few spare minutes, make sure that you're present. Don't be on your yeah. damn phone. Put it down. Reach. Please Reach. turn the TV off. You know, all, yep. t- don't let your kids have the – I know sometimes it's so easy to parent by the iPad because we feel so busy and exhausted and we got stuff to do around the house and laundry and we got to cook supper and all that stuff. 
but don't let them live on them. Please limit your kids' time on electronics. Please, please, please limit their time and limit your time. Don't limit theirs and then you be living with your eyes yeah. glued to it. Um, I, you know, I, man, I am social media <laughs> all day, every day <laughs> until I'm not. There are, you know, I have to have those regular times where I go, no, I'm turning this thing off. I'm leaving it on the charger. Um, you know, we took the kids uh, to a cabin in the woods for a couple days two weekends ago, and I left my phone oh, at yeah. home. I said, I'm not taking it with me. Um, Lindsay took hers in case we had an emergency and needed something. I said, I want to be present with these kids because I am busy a lot. But I just, I don't know, I can't hammer home enough that you, whatever your reality is, you do what you possibly can to let your people know that they matter to you. Mm, gosh, And don't hear so judgment good. from me. Please, please don't hear judgment from me. Oh my goodness, that's the last thing that I want to throw on anybody. We're all just trying to do our best and that's all you can do. Yeah, that's true. You're, yeah, you're right. I, and I believe that too, that we are all doing the best we can with what we have. Um, and I would also say too that, you know, with the social media piece, I was just talking with some other folks about this recently, but there is, I mean, there's research coming out about the addiction of that and, um, and its use as a tool for numbing. And um, so just, I think that self-awareness of how we cope with tough days and difficult seasons and, just being mindful of the amount of abuse we use. I think that is important. But And while anyways. we're hammering on social media. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? No, One more thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> One more thing. It's look, the sin of comparison is killing us. Yeah. When when I'm constantly looking at your new house, your new car, your new baby, your new dog, your new, 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 all your bright and shinies that are pretty, and I in unhealth think, oh, that's what my life is supposed to look like. And that's what everybody wants to see from me. It further reinforces that I shouldn't be vulnerable, that I shouldn't tell my truth because I see you with all your bright and shiny pretties, but I don't know that you're crying in the shower. So nobody hears you or you're crying on your pillow at night or you're screaming behind the steering wheel where nobody else is with you. I don't know all that. So I compare what I know about myself to what I don't know about you. And it is wrecking people. So I'm not anti-social media. Again, I am, I am pro social media. It builds my business every day, but I think that you have to practice it when you are healthy. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. So I wanted to, there's another chapter I wanted to highlight um, briefly too, and that is chapter eight, your saucer and blow it chapter. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're changing the title of that one too. No, no, no. But I love it not only because of what I know about you and what you shared with me about your um, incredible grandparents and especially your grandfather, but... Um, there's, there's so many nuggets of wisdom within this chapter as well that I really like. So first you have this section that, um, you talk about effective or efficient. And I think this goes along a little bit with what we've been talking about already, but in this one section, you have this quote that says, there are plenty of books on all the ways to speed up and do more. If that's what you're looking for, go read those. This is a book about how to be the healthiest human you can. And in order to do that, you've got to stop expecting yourself to be a machine. 
slow down. I don't mean stop. I don't mean you have to sit and watch everyone pass you by. But I do know that as a human, you can't keep pushing forever. You can't keep going without refilling and expect to not face burnout. If you're overwhelmed today, hear me. It's okay to slow down. When you are drowning, the best advice I can give you is to cast off the things that feel too heavy. Let go of the unrealistic expectations. Stop running and give yourself time to breathe. Um, you go on to offer these three very practical steps for how to discern this process of slowing down. Do you mind sharing those with us? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And this is, can, do you mm -hmm. want to talk a little bit about the title too? I mean, I wanted to let you speak to that. And Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of Saucer and Blow It? Yes. Yeah, sure. So it's it's one of my favorite lessons. It's a uh, it is a lesson that I have heard for 35 years. Um <laughs> at my grandparents' home, coffee is it's a staple. Black coffee, hold the sugar, hold the cream. Black coffee strong as motor oil. Black dark coffee and and you drink it all day long, <laughs> regular, no decaf. Um it is always on. So they they have their they have a coffee pot right beside their bed, <laughs> their bedroom, and they have it preset at night. So as soon as one of them wakes up in the morning, they reach over and turn it on, and it brews as they're waking up. Oh uh, can we say addicts? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so they'll have a cup or two while they're sitting there in the bed, reading the Bible, having their devotion time, and then whatever's left will sit on the pot for you know the next two three four hours and it's just simmering you know it's just it's mm -hmm. just cooking down <laughs> and they <laughs> drink on it when they need another hit you know and um it, <laughs> we i mean we start drinking coffee in the house family my, my mom's side their houses and in the house family you start drinking coffee from the time you're born i mean it's it's okay if you're walking you can have coffee <laughs> and we love it so much that when you pour that cup out of the pot and you're so excited <laughs> to take that first sip of the day that you just you can't possibly wait, then it is perfectly acceptable to pour a splash of that coffee out of the cup into the saucer and blow on it to cool it down real quick and slurp it down. So you mm. you saucer and blow it. That's the that's the whole thing. That's awesome. And so yeah, so that's sort of the that's sort of the angle with this with this chapter is uh -huh. sometimes when things are really heated up and and there's so much going on and you've got this really big decision to make or something really terrible has happened and you're not sure how to process it. Sometimes you just have to saucer and blow it. Sometimes you have to give yourself time and space for things to cool down a little bit before you can process. Through. I don't know that I buy this this age old adage of not letting the sun go down on your wrath. I'm not sure that I totally buy that because I think mm. that there are times I'm thinking specifically in marriage, if Lindsay and I are really dealing with something tense and difficult, it may not be wise for us to just keep beating a dead horse. If we're not getting it, if we're just going in circles and we're not seeing eye to eye. We may need to sleep on it. We may need to saucer and blow it and come back to it tomorrow or the next day. I don't mean sweep it under the rug. I don't mean ignore it, but it, I think it's totally okay to give yourself some time to breathe in there and then come back to it when you're healthy and able to hear each other. Mm, that's really good. I'm also wondering, what's Lindsay's number? 
<laughs> I have no, <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, um, I, th- I really I thought you were asking for her phone number to text her and like. No, chat. I did too. I was like, oh, you want to talk to Lindsay? Uh, I'm not going to give it to you on the air. No. I'll text it to you. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, Lindsay. <laughs> no, I'm just curious what her her number is, but uh, her enneagram number. I'll specify. Yeah. She's yeah. raising two kids and teaching 14 three year olds all day. She ain't got time for no enneagram. She's amazing. Well. She is. She really is. Well, can you, so going back to, you know, a little bit of of what we were just mentioning before, I love this analogy with um, the saucer and blow it, but what about those, those three steps to discern for us? Like, how do we discern how to slow down? Yeah, this is, this is really the nuts and bolts of a lot of the book, because I think that when you're. Oh, maybe you don't want to say it then. Maybe you just want to tell folks they got to go get the book. No, it's, no, it's <laughs> fine. It's totally fine. Um, I do want you to get the book, though, catchingyourbreath.com. Thank you. Yes. Um, but <laughs> I think that, I think that you said that like we're not going to say it at the end. <laughs> I think when you're completely <laughs> overwhelmed and you're just trying to push forward and you are dragging yourself through the mud, that sometimes the only way that you can move forward is to stop. It's to slow down. It's – Holly, I know how much you love Bob Goff. It's Bob Goff saying I quit something every Thursday. Yes. Yep. So so here's what I do. Get your pen and paper, not if you're driving, but get your pen and paper, and you make three columns. What I have to do, what I feel pressured to do but don't want to do, and what I want to do. Those are the three big questions. So what I have to do um, are things like I have to go to work so that I can pay my bills and feed my kids. Right. I have to do that. What I feel pressured to do but don't want to do, maybe you don't want to teach Sunday school again this year, but you feel pressured to because it's a small church and they need me. <laughs> Take the cape off. Um, maybe you don't want to coach your kids' little league team. Maybe you feel really pressured to have this perfectly spotless house like your mother-in-law, but you're not your mother-in-law. So what do you feel pressured to do but don't want to do? And then, um, and then what I want to do, what do you want to do. What do you want out of your life? Maybe it's taking your family on a dream vacation. Maybe it's running a marathon or adopting a baby or writing a book or forming a nonprofit, whatever. But what are these things that you want to do? But because you're spending so much time doing the things that you don't want to do or doing the things that you have to do, that you're you're not able to do the things that you actually want to do. So is there something? And it's usually, it's that middle column that gets us. It's the things that I feel pressured. You're going to keep going to work. You got to pay the mortgage. You got to pay the power bill. You got to pay the water bill. You have to buy groceries. So you're going to do those things that you have to do. But that list is really honestly pretty short. But that list that these are the things I feel pressure about, but I don't really want to do them. That's where a lot of us, hello twos, that's where a lot of us Feel, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's a little delayed, but <laughs> yeah, that's where a lot of us feel a lot of the pressure. So is there one thing, just one thing that you can, man, you know, I love my coworkers, but they go out every Thursday night for drinks. And I just, if I could have my Thursday nights back again to do something with my husband or my kids or just have that night off to have me time, you know, it's okay. It's okay to say, again, it's okay to say no to people in projects because sometimes that's saying yes to yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's so, so good. Yeah. So one of the things that I love most about your writing and your podcast work and, and everything that you do is how often you reference 
lessons you've learned from other people, right? It's very rarely just, here's what I think. And even in this interview so far, you've talked about lessons from family that you've learned and you've referenced, you know, a handful of authors and things like that. So who are some of the people that are most influential on your faith or your mental health journeys? I mean, you're, you're a guy who's always learning, always reading, always having conversations. What people factor into that the most? Yeah. I'm talking to two of them. So thank you both. Aww. And, Aww. Aww. <laughs> and um, you know, I would uh, I would add Paul Young to that. Y'all know I'm a fangirl. Good Lord, I love Paul Young. Um, I, Ed Bacon, his book Eight Habits of Love continues to transform my life. Um, we can, talked about uh, Bob Goff. Go back and listen to the CXMH episodes where you and I interviewed both of them. Yes, yeah. please do. Yeah, go back. Yeah, yeah. Well, flashback Friday. I don't Deep know. Dive. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Sure. Um, yeah, but those guys are, are transformative for me. Brene Brown rocks my whole world. Daring Greatly saved my life, saved Yay. my marriage. My wife would shout a big amen to that too. I, she awesome. rocks my whole – I call her BB, but we're just tight like that. But the rest <laughs> of you, um, <laughs> um, yeah, they're fantastic. And I, you know, I'm a huge Oprah fan, and I'm a huge Rob Bell fan. So Super Soul Sunday's fantastic and anything and everything rob bell so so good those are my people so, so good raise your glass that's awesome well steve is there anything else that you'd like to share about the book with us and with our audience before we wrap up today gosh you know the biggest thing that i can echo i'm gonna go back and say what i've already said is give yourself permission to be human stop expecting perfection from yourself all the time. I think that instead of perfection, we can expect excellence. I think we push ourselves to constantly improve and to get better and to be more whole. There's nothing in the world wrong with that. But this demand that so many of us put on ourselves to be perfect or to at least look perfect, it is exhausting. It's detrimental to your mental health. It's detrimental to your spiritual health. It's detrimental to your relationships. This, I mentioned Brene Brown, this thing about shame and vulnerability, opening up and telling the truth, letting yourself be seen by your, at least by your safe people, it it will change your life. I think that, you know, we talked about why did I write this book? One of the big reasons I wrote this book is this. Yes, depression, anxiety, and PTSD nearly killed me six years ago. That is true. And what I have begun to really understand in a deep and powerful way, especially in the last three years, is that just as much as my mental health, shame nearly killed me. As much as as anxiety, depression, and PTSD combined, the shame of all those things, that feeling of because I'm dealing with all this, I'm weak. I'm not the Christian I ought to be, the husband, the father, the pastor. I'm not all these things. I'm not enough. That really is what nearly killed me. And the only way that we're going to combat that is by telling the truth, telling the uncomfortable truth, saying I am not okay. Um, it, it is it, at my church this Sunday, it's communion Sunday. And I love communion because communion is this tangible reminder for me that grace levels the playing field. The cross is, it's, you know, people say it's, it's level ground at the cross. We're all the same. We're all equal 
in God's eyes. And so if that is true, and it is, then we ought to feel even more comfortable and safe and affirmed to say, I'm not okay today. I need help today. Could somebody just hug me? (laughs) Could somebody drive me to the counselor's office? Um, Those things. So it's just that. It's just, gosh, please give yourself permission to be human. You're not a superhero. You're not Jesus. So good. Hey, if you want to connect with Steve, you can find him on Twitter or Instagram at IamSteveAustin, at Facebook.com slash GraceIsMessy, at IamSteveAustin.net, or you can listen to the Ask Steve Austin podcast. Go to Amazon. There'll be links in the show notes. You can buy this book, Catching Your Breath, The Sacred Journey from Chaos to Calm, as well as his other books. If you want to connect with Holly, you can find her at hollyoxhandler.com or on Twitter at hollyoxhandler. You can find me at robert-vore.com or on any social media at Robert Vore. It was so good having you on, coming back to the the old stomping grounds you can also check out season one and the first half of season two of this show that steve was a co-host on it's so good to have you back always good to be joined by clark elderson the third and a half (laughs) (laughs) the third and a half oh friends thank you thank you thank you so much for this opportunity oh my goodness so fun yeah thank you so much for coming on thank you for the book um i really i'm just gonna say it again a million times y'all go out and get this book it is truly truly such a gift to this world so steve thank you so much uh for joining us and i'm sure we'll see you again soon thanks for listening to the cxmh podcast want to score some major brownie points leave us five stars and an honest review on itunes follow us on social media at cxmh podcast and email us with questions comments and interview requests at cxmh podcast at gmail.com a final note if you're in a dark place today struggling with suicidal thoughts you are not alone Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.